we go through periods of life that can be very different than what we've experienced in the past. Right now, life is very different. It seems like we've come in many ways to a screeching halt. Everything and everyone has changed. No sporting events and no restaurants has slowed down the pace of many families. Not being able to come to church has just changed the rhythm of everyone's life. It is a time of change. Every year, we have a season of change. Right now, we're in the spring, and we're watching things begin to pop out and bloom again. And these days right here have been filled with some showers, those April showers. Soon, we'll move right into the heat of summer and then experience the beauty of fall as the air begins to chill again and then the brisk cold of winter. Seasons change. Life and periods of our life can change. But Malachi chapter 3 reminds us as he, the Lord says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Hebrews 13, 8, it tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. And one of the unchanging truths that we find about God is God's love. God is love. And his love for us does not change. God loves us perfectly. God never has a bad day or an off moment. He, he never has a, a, a selfish streak in him that would change his love toward us. He loves us perfectly. He also, as his children, he loves us unconditionally. There's nothing that we can do to make God love us any more than he loves us right now. We could uh, impact millions of people or uh, preach to thousands and see hundreds come to know Jesus as their Savior. And God's love will not grow any greater than his love for us right now. We could fail miserably, ruin our life, our reputation. We could have everyone else in life walk out on us. And if we truly know him... God's love for us never changes. His love is perfect. His love is unconditional. And his love is eternal. So that he loves us perfectly and unconditionally, eternally. In Jeremiah 31.3, it says that the Lord loves us with an everlasting love. Romans 8.38 and 39 tells us, Paul, I am persuaded, he says, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
over the last few weeks, we've talked about prayer. And prayer is our opportunity to commune with the Lord, the God who loves us. But today, I want to just kind of pull back and say, there's words of encouragement that we all need to hear, that we need to be reminded of, that as we face the challenges that we're going through right now, please know God loves you. God is love. And we're going to look today in 1 John chapter 4. And I pray that you have your Bible and I think that you should open it up because we're going to look in 1 John chapter 4. This is one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible that clues us into the truth of God's love for us. So we're going to pick up in verse number 7 and read down through verse number 10. 1 John 4, 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means the atoning sacrifice. He was the sacrifice who took our penalty when he died. And with that, let's pray. God, would you speak today and would you just open up our our eyes and open up our heart to be reminded of how much you love us. God speak, God move in your name. Amen. I'm reminded of some old TV shows that I used to watch, uh, shows like The Little Rascals, and they would take a flower and they would pluck it off and say, she loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. And I always thought... How goofy is that to determine whether someone loves you or not by looking at the petals of a flower? Well, I think there's a great question for us today. How can we know for sure that God loves us? How has God shown that love toward us? How can we experience that love in our life? And how can it change us? So this morning, I, I really, we're going to try to rush through, but there are seven ways in, in the book of First John that God shows his love for us. How does God love us and how does he show that love? First off, God loves us and he sent his son. Notice with me in, in verse number nine, he tells us that, As we think about God and his love, in this the love of God was manifested toward us that he sent his only begotten son. And then in verse number 10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sin. God's love was clearly depicted and obviously shown by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Some of the greatest verses in all of the Bible that show and highlight God's love are centered and focused around the love that comes through God sending Jesus. The most famous verse in all of the Bible, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
And Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son and he sent him purposefully. Verse number 10 says that Jesus died to be the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sin. God loved us so much that he stepped into humanity in the person of Jesus Christ and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could be forgiven and so that we could experience eternal Life. Now, there are a lot of things that people will do for love, but this picture of God sending his son, not just to be a good example, not just to be a preacher and teacher and healer, but sending Jesus to be a sacrifice. Again, Isaiah, looking back 700 years before Jesus uh, came to the earth, gives the picture that, that he would be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity. That Jesus was going to face this horrendous punishment physically and spiritually because he would be the sacrifice for our sins. And notice that God took the initiative to show that love. Notice down in 1 John four nineteen, where it says, we love him because he first loved us. God took the initiative. God took the initiative to send Jesus so that we could experience his awesome and wonderful love. Don't measure life and the love of God by by the circumstances that are going on around you. If life is hard right now, it does not mean that God does not love you. There are times that we walk through seasons, again, very challenging ones. But as we shared earlier in Romans 8, 38 and 39, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. And God clearly has demonstrated his love for us already in the person of Christ. So as you walk through this challenge of life, you walk through with the confidence that I already know God loves me, not with this wondering and saying, with all that's going on around me, does God love me? We already have the cross and the resurrection as the the perfect picture and the guide that shows us with an exclamation point, God loves you. God loves us. He sent his son. Secondly, we find that God loves us and sent his son, but God loves us and he gives us the Holy Spirit. Notice down with me in verse number uh, 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. He has given us the Holy Spirit. Pick up verse 14 and 15. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. God abides in him. How does God abide in someone today? God abides in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, the third person of the Godhead comes to live in our life eternally. We find in John chapter 14 and verse number 16, Jesus says, I'm going to send you another helper, another comforter, another one just like me, who's going to come and live in you and abide in you. 
And then in John 14, 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So how does Jesus come to us and how does God abide in us? God abides in us. Jesus lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8, 9, it gives the picture that if someone does not have the Spirit of God, he's not a believer. He doesn't really know God as his Savior. But for those of us who know God personally, we have the demonstration of his love because he has given us the Holy Spirit in his life. And listen, when we think about the love of God and the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5 tells us that the love of God is poured out into our life through the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us. God, as he gives us the Holy Spirit and as the Holy Spirit comes to take residence in our life, it is the outpouring of the love of God. We have the presence of God in our life through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will guide us and encourage us and comfort us. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We have been given the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, when we think about, does God really love me? God keeps us secure. God is the one who keeps us secure. Stay right there in 1 John chapter 4, and notice with me down just a couple of verses later in verse number 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I love that phrase that is there. There is no fear in love. God's love brings us a sense of confidence that I am in his hand, that his spirit is in my life. We're going through a crisis. Let me just tell you, this crisis will come to an end. But there will be another crisis that sometime in our national life, in our community life, in our church life, in our personal life, there will be another crisis that will come again. But the truth of the matter is, is we are secure in his love. Perfect love casts out fear. We can trust the love of God as a father loves his children that he is going to keep hold of us throughout our time on earth. His love can cast out the fear of what we're facing in life. We know that he loves us. We know that he lives in us. We know that he's going to give us the power to walk with us through the challenges of life. That security comes through his presence. You know what the cure for fear is and insecurity? It's the presence of God. We see this all throughout the Bible. The cure in, uh, for insecurity and fear in our life is the presence of God. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 9, the Lord says, 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am your God. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, I am your God. Psalm 23, verse number four, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. The security and the loving presence of God in our life keeps us and holds us through times of crisis. So that a verse I love to quote in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number five, verse number five and six, where we're commanded, let your life be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For it is written, he will never leave you nor forsake you so that you may say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What shall man do to me? Notice, he'll never leave you nor forsake you, so that you can say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. The cure to fear and insecurity is the presence of God in our life. So you hold on to God. You fight that feeling and sense of discouragement in your life, and you hold to the presence of God. Look to the, to the word of God as we uh, move then to that fourth point. We think about the security that he gives us, but God also has shown his love because he has provided us the scripture. Hold to the scripture amid your challenge. How, how do we learn about the love of God? How, how do we, how did we learn that, that that he loved us before we loved him, or that God sent his son to be the savior of the world. We learned that through the word of God. This book right here is God's love letter to us as believers. Notice over in 1 John chapter 1, as you look at 1 John chapter 1, pick up in verse number 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. He's saying, the things I've seen about Jesus, the things I've heard about Jesus, how the Holy Spirit's working in my life about Jesus. I'm declaring this to you. In verse number four, he says, and these things we write to you. If you move down to chapter two and look at verse number 12, I write to you. Verse number 13, I write to you. I write to you. I write to you. Verse number 14, I have written to you. I have written to you. God loves us so much that he gave us not only the Holy Spirit in our life and security of his presence on our life, but he gives us the scripture. Psalm 119 verse number 50 says, this is my my comfort in affliction, for your word has given me life. The government can write you a check, but the government can't give you life. Your doctor can write you a prescription. You can go to a surgeon who can uh, do an operation. They can help to restore your health but they cannot give life. A teacher can give you education. A psychologist can give you advice, 
but only the word of God can bring life. And this life is in the the written word that gives us a picture of the living word, Jesus Christ. John 20, 31, John, the same person, same man who wrote 1 John, said, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And when you have life in Jesus, you have the love of God in your heart. God loves you today. He, he's, he's, not, he's not left you. He sent his son. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you the, the security of his presence in your life. He's provided the scripture for you. And when you're hurting and you need him, you can call out to him in prayer because number five, he hears our prayers. First John chapter five, go over just one chapter over to verse number 14. First John five fourteen. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. There are over 7 billion people on our planet. And yet, the Bible gives us the confidence that when we call out to him, he hears us. From the smallest little toddler who's learning to pray at bedtime to the most seasoned saint, God loves you and he hears your prayer. As we think about the ability, not only to hear from God in his scripture, but to speak to the awesome and mighty God who has his eyes on seven plus billion people and hundreds of millions into the billions of stars throughout the uh, many galaxies. And he calls them all by name. He calls all those stars by name. He knows them all. And yet, he takes the time to hear us when we call. He encourages us. The Lord Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. We're challenged to be people of prayer. Call unto me and I'll answer you. The the Lord has given us the opportunity to come boldly before his throne, as Hebrews 4 reminds us, so that we may find grace and we may find help in our time of need. See, prayer is at times an awesome and wonderful delight. In other times, it is a rigorous, challenging duty that we stand and put on the armor and we fight the spiritual battles that are around us on our knees. But the very fact that we have access to the God of the universe is a tremendous gift of his love. God loves us. He allows us to speak to him. 
Number six, God blesses us with a Christian family. I don't know where you would be without brothers and sisters uh, in Christ, but I know that I would be in a bad place if it weren't for the encouragement of brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse number seven, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. He says, Beloved, let us love one another. He's talking about the believers. Look, love each other. And the basis of our love toward each other is found in 1 John chapter 3 in verse number 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. God in his loving kindness and tender mercy through the work of Jesus has not only brought salvation, has not only brought forgiveness, but has adopted us into his family. And 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is his love that he would call us his children. What a great love. What an awesome love. That God wouldn't just say, okay, I'll, I'll forgive their sin. All right, I've seen how they've messed up before. And, and all right, I'll deal with that. No, he, he says, I'm not only going to take their sin away, but I'm going to welcome them into my family, into my kingdom. That's the beauty of the love of God. So that, let me tell you who you are today. You are a child of the king. God is your father. And God loves you and he sees you and he wants to strengthen and encourage and walk with you through all of the challenges that you face in life, just like a loving father would. And that makes all of us as believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, adopted into that same family. Now, because we're all part of the same family, we should love each other as family. Now, I grew up in a large family. There were seven of us children, and I understand that sometimes kids don't always get along. But as we get older and we get more mature and the love of Jesus grows in us, let me tell you, there can be a loving relationship that as everyone matures, that we grow into as a physical family, but even more so as a spiritual family. This past week, four years ago on April the 21st is when I had my right kidney removed because of cancer. And I cannot share, even explain and and describe the, the love that was overflowed in my life through brothers and sisters. Prayer grams and cards and meals and emails, people praying for me, people checking. It, what a moment of encouragement. There have been times when, when in life or in ministry you get discouraged and someone comes alongside and you get a message or you get an email or maybe you hear someone teach or you hear someone preach and you're reminded how blessed I am. Oh, how I miss seeing everybody today. Oh, how I miss 
uh, the opportunity to be with brothers and sisters in Christ today. Why? Because the church family becomes part of your family as you're in his kingdom. And what a blessing the family of God is and how I look forward to us all being back again uh, soon. As we think about the power of, of that family and the love that can be experienced. Now, again, there are different kinds of people in the family. They have different perspectives and, and sometimes uh, it's challenging, but he commands us because God has loved us so much and brought us into this family. We are to love one another. Finally, number seven, as we think of how God shows his love to us, he assures us of victory. As we close out 1 John chapter 4, he continues to talk about love. Remember that the chapter headings and the verses were added much, much later. So as John wrote this, he just continuing through this theme. And, and in 1 John chapter 5, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him, who begot uh, him, who, who begot also loves him, who is begotten of him. So, I mean, he's going through that theme of love in verse number three, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. And then notice with me in 1 John chapter 5 in verse number four and five. Notice what he says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. The picture is here. It's because Jesus is the son of God who died and rose from the dead. We have become an overcomer with him. We are a conqueror. This word overcomer is is the word nikao. We get our word Nike from it. It is the picture of, of conquering, of winning, of experiencing victory. And who is going to overcome the world? We are because we're in him. Jesus has won. And because he has won, who can stand against us? No one can stand against us because God is for us. Jesus Christ is in us. That's the picture. That's the assurance of victory that we have today. So that as we go through this crisis and as you face more crises in your life, know this, ultimately there is victory in Jesus. Oh, victory in Jesus. It's true. We don't only sing about it. It's true right here in the scripture because Jesus is my savior forever. That's how we experience the victory. Now, we have talked about how much God loves us today. But we can't just say, okay, man, we've, we've, we've had this ocean poured into our life of God's love. And let me just encourage you. These are just some verses from 1 John. You can go throughout the Bible and, and see the pictures and the images of how God shows his love toward his people. But as we've, we've tried to dump uh, the truth of scripture into our life today, the challenge is, is that we do not become a dead sea, that we just allow stuff to flow in and then let it stop there. So here's the challenge right here. Beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7. 
For love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God. He who does not uh, love does not know God for God is love. Beloved, it says, let us love one another. Here's my challenge for you this week. You need to show God's love to someone. You need to call someone. You need to encourage someone. You need to write someone in your in your Sunday school class or your Bible study group. You need to reach out to someone. Don't don't just wait. Your your phone, your email, it goes both ways. Why don't you be the one to take the initiative? Because God took the initiative to love you. Why don't you take the initiative this week? Would you specifically seek to encourage one person? Would you specifically pray for one person or one family this week? Would you do that? Because you love. You can let them know, send them a card, say, hey, I'm praying for you this week. I think that'd be a wonderful thing to do. You encourage someone, you pray for someone. And then let me thirdly challenge you with this. I want you to give to someone this week. It it doesn't have to be a lot. It can be just a, a candy bar and a note that says, I'm thinking about you. It could be uh, some some flowers. Maybe for some of you, you have someone on your heart and you need to give them a financial gift. As, as we think about love, love, just like God's love gives, then give. If you can't think of an individual, then why don't you pick out uh, a charity? How about you, you pick out something like the Missouri Baptist Children's Home? Why don't you find uh, that there's ministry that, that's going on somewhere and, and I want to show my love for God? Maybe, maybe even to the church, you just say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in extra above and over my tithe this week and I'm just going to give. I want to show God I love the church. God loves you today. But God doesn't want the love to stop in your life. God wants his love to funnel through your life. And that's why specifically and personally, I want to make you that challenge this week. Boys and girls, why don't you color a picture for someone this week? I got a sweet colored picture this week in the mail from someone. It's sitting on my desk right now. Would you do that? Would you take that love that has been passed into your life and share it with someone else? God bless you. I pray that you would first, if you've never received Jesus Christ, that you'd receive him today. God loves you. You can be forgiven of your sin. God sent his son Jesus so that you could know that you have salvation and eternal life. If you don't know that for sure, I'd, I'd love for you to, to reach out. You can call us here at the office, 636-928-1311. Call us. You can go on our website, email Pastor Jerry, email uh, myself, email uh, David, Stan, Al, email, one, email Luke if you're a student. Email someone, reach out to them and say, look, I need to know Jesus or I need to get my life right with Jesus. But I want to encourage you, for those of you who are believers, as God's love has poured in, let this week, let, let's make a special effort. I know you can't see people personally. And I, I realize you can't do all of that. But would you just let God's love flow through you? And would you pray right now that God would lay that person on your heart? Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that if anyone doesn't know Jesus, that they'd reach out and receive him as their savior today. And Lord, I pray for those of us who are our believers, that your love would flow into our life and flow through our life, and that this week we could be a blessing, an encouragement, a prayer warrior, 
a giver to someone. God move, God speak, God work in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here.